So you're listening to the Free Will Science and Religion podcast, and I'm joined today by the charismatic Chandler Klebs, the fantastic Felicia Hogan, the jovial Jamie Soden, and the always gracious George Ortega. I'm the dunce David Joseph, and we're on to another topic which I know nothing about. Um, I think we're going to be talking about the, uh, the history of uh, free will, uh, where it came from, uh, what kind of time period, uh, and how it was talked about in the Bible, and uh, what relation the Bible has to the idea of free will. And I think the idea originally came from Fel- uh, Fel- Felicia Hogan, even. Uh, she was going to read a couple of passages from the Bible that goes into detail about where free will came from or or where free will appears in the Bible and the kind of effect that that's had on on some religions. So if uh, Felicia would like to go first and just uh, uh, read whatever it is that you're going to read and I'll try to muddle through it and if I get any questions I'll try to jump in and just (laughs) kind of derail the conversation and confuse everyone so if you, <laughs> if you just want to go ahead and uh well, do well thank you, you david i don't think you're giving yourself enough credit to be perfectly honest uh, give, um, give me time <laughs> i was reading through exodus yesterday because i haven't read the apocrypha in the catholic bible some extra books that aren't in the protestant one and so i've been wanting to read everything all the way through i managed to make it into exodus And I was reading about the plagues and how God deliberately hardened Pharaoh's heart in order to escalate the situation to more and more horrific plagues, leading to and climaxing with the death of the firstborn. And there was a footnote that mentioned Romans 9, verse 14 through 24, which I thought was especially interesting, considering that Generally in Christianity, which again, we spend so much time on because most of our cast is Americans, right? We're Americans generally, most of us. And Christianity (laughs) dominates our country. So much so that I think Idaho wants to make the Bible a textbook again. And um, so that we usually attribute the horrors and the sociopathy of God to just the Old Testament. And the Christians generally don't like to talk about the Old Testament. They prefer to talk about the New Testament. Well, here is a New Testament passage that says God's a sociopath. And it goes like this. What then are we to say? Is there injustice on the part of God? Of course not. For he says to Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will. I will take pity on whom I will. So it depends not upon a person's will or exertion, but upon God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, this is why I have raised you up, to show my power through you, that my name may be proclaimed throughout the earth. Consequently, he has mercy upon whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills. You will say to me, why then does he still find fault, for who can oppose his will? But who indeed are you, a human being, to talk back to God? But what is made say to its maker, why have you created me so? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for a noble purpose and another for an ignoble one? What if God, wishing to show his wrath and make known his power, has ensured with much patience the vessels of wrath made for destruction? 
This was to make known the riches of his glory to the vessels of mercy, which he had previously prepared for glory, namely us whom he has called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. And what I take, what I take away from this is that they don't seem, they don't deny that God, that we have no free will, that God chooses who's going to be saved, who's not going to be saved. It's predestination argument in its essence. But they don't make any attempt to counter that with the, and find a way to um, make that work with the idea of a benevolent God. Instead, they say, who are you to, to question God, rather than trying to think through it? Yeah, this, this is generally why they don't get along with philosophers. <laughs> Alicia, also, I think in Romans, you know, I think it's very close to that passage. It might be a bit before. Paul is saying, you know, I don't get it. You know, like, I try to do what's good, you know, but sometimes I can't. So, you know, he's, you know, he, I think these, these passages are very strongly refuting the, the notion of a free will. That is, I really wish I could find that, that passage. I think it's Rome, I think it's Romans 7, isn't it? 7, freedom from the law? Yeah, I think, I think that it was Romans 7, where, where Paul was talking about, you know, how he can't do what he wants. Basically. 7.15, maybe? Seven. So, so if, the, if the Bible says that we, we don't have free will, um, why do so many religions claim that we do have free will? They don't read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, who asked that? Was that David or Jamie? Okay, that was yes. David asking. David. Um, before that, because that is an excellent point that I definitely want us to cover. Uh, George, you are correct. George and Chandler. It is chapter 7, verse 15 of Romans, where Paul says, What I do, I do not understand. For I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I want, I do not want, I concur with the law. I concur that the law is good. So now <laughs> it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know the good does not dwell in me. That is my flesh. The willing is ready at hand, but the, but doing the good is not. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want. And he, it goes on back and forth. Yeah, I've read that several times. I yeah, I've read it so many times trying to figure out what he was talking about. He sounded really confused. Well, yeah, basically yeah. what he's saying is like, you know, if it was up to him, he wouldn't be sinning. You know, he you know, he wants to do what's good, you know, but there's a part of him that doesn't allow him to that he's obviously not in control of. Yeah. I think it's the strongest case against free will you can get from the Bible. And the greatest part is it's in the New Testament, so we can skip all the bickering about what in the Old Testament is relevant still. Yeah, and it's true that both stuff in the Old Testament and stuff in the New Testament completely refuse the notion of free will. In fact, here's another example from the New Testament that completely obliterates um, free will, because Jesus was able to say exactly before the cock crowed twice that Peter would deny him three times. And I'm like, dude, it, that, that's the whole point, is that if Jesus knew what Peter was going to do, then Peter couldn't have done otherwise. That's the whole thing, and that's, that would have had to have been because it, – it, it's really kind of strange because, you know, it's, anybody can write a book where some, some character in it can 
foretell future events. But for people who really believe this, they have to admit that a god who can tell the future vi completely cancels out the idea of human free will. And this stuff um, affects the animal um, rights issues, which you go on about from time to time, channel on your um, YouTube page. Um, in, in the Old Testament, I can't seem to remember exactly what the Old Testament said about, you know, sacrificing lambs and stuff. But oh, I do know, I do know that um, you know Christianity does teach that in the Old Testament teaches that they used to slaughter um, you know lambs in sacrifice for their quote unquote sins. That don't even exist. So yeah. Jamie, Jamie, you're addressing what kind of like what David asked before, like if if it's in the Bible that God Himself is saying that what happens is up to Him, and Paul is saying that He can't do the good He wants. Why do people believe in free will? And so, like the question has something to do with you what you raised, because basically, although the Bible condoned. Um, animal sac sacrifice, it really also had passages saying that we're not supposed to be cruel to animals. You know, it's like in today's world, you know, we're, we're so cruel to so many animals. So like back, so back in 380 AD, St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, was grappling with this question because basically he was trying to like find out why there's evil in the world. He's starting from the premise back then that God is entirely good. So he says, so, you know, basically he's saying, well, if God is entirely good, the evil that we do, the cruelty to animals and cruelty to humans that we do cannot be God's fault. It has to be our fault. Now, you know, thinking about that, I think to myself, well, you know, back then they had this concept of Satan, Lucifer, the devil, you know, the tempter and all, that yeah. St. Augustine could easily have said, well, fine, it's not God's fault, it's Satan's fault, and have left us alone. <laughs> but, but, you know, in his, in his, you know, very limited, misguided thinking, he said, well, if, if, if this evil is not up to God, it has to be up to human beings. So that's, that's, you know, to answer the question, that's why so many people believe in free will, because if they didn't believe in free will, they'd have to acknowledge that God is not just all good, God is also responsible for such horrendous evil too. What compounds upon that though is the is hell. Oh, like yeah. okay, so you make us do evil and then you punish us for it for eternity. <laughs> exactly, especially this garden of even bullshit where um oh, excuse me, excuse my language there, but um you know he didn't want Eve to eat that fruit, you know, the forbidden fruit that um, would kill everyone and stuff because um because of quote unquote sin you know, original sin. But here's the problem with this. You know, who was the one who put the fruit in the garden in the first place? Yeah. And Jamie, God is supposed to be all-knowing, so God knew full well that, that Adam <laughs> and Eve were going to eat the fruit. But he wanted to give us the choice. <laughs> what choice? There is no choice. Exactly. So, David, to answer your question, my hypothesis is that... The, the idea that we have free will came along so much later. It would have had to, let's see, the Calvinists were 14 and 1500s, right around where they began. So they continued, what, into the 1600s? So I would think that free will would have come along somewhere in the 17, 1800s. And I would say that our empathy and our sense of morality 
had evolved to such a degree where we could no longer reconcile worshiping a God and calling him love who also punished people for crimes he forced them to commit. And we would much rather worship a loving God than a sociopath. So they invented this idea that, that it's our own fault, which of course is an entirely abusive notion anyways, in order to vindicate God. And I'm really impressed with my vocabulary in that monologue. I am impressed with myself. <laughs> it was very good. Yeah, well, you know what? I was impressed by David Joseph's introduction to this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I didn't notice. I was busy swooning. <laughs> it was actually Jamie. It was Jamie. It wasn't me. No, I thought. Uh, what about me? What's up? <laughs> it, no, yeah, no, David. He. It was so awesome how he did it about the fantastic Felicia Hogan, the charismatic the, Chandler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, right. and the gracious George, and and he and he called himself the Dunce David Joseph, and I thought, well, you know, I don't know, I don't really know if Dunce is the right word there, you know. That's not the right word. Yeah, I, I object to that. Um, you know, you know a lot more than you let on, David. Yeah, that's true. I, I keep it to myself though. So, <laughs> so, so are we saying around the um, around the seventeen hundreds that the idea of uh, a free will really kind that's of my guess right because we have the calvinists uh coming to be late 1400s early 1500s george already mentioned uh they that and the bible already mentions that the notion of us having free wills appears to be non-existent so my guess would be 17 1800s does anybody know for sure um, I would argue it's a lot earlier than that because the concept of um, punishment and reward has been around for a long, long time. You know, so. Yeah, I... but so is worshipping a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, you know, guys, here's how I look at the whole history thing. I think the, the, the belief in free will came long before the term free will, which we do get from Augustine in the book he wrote. But I think the actual belief in free will is a mistake that, that could be made by any human or any other animal who is simply unaware of the causes of why something happened. Because I think that ignorance is the primary reason people believe in free will. You have to, t you have to tell people that we're neither good or evil, we're just nature, that's it. That's a good point, actually, because I wasn't raised in a, a religious family at all, or I didn't have any kind of religious background, and yet still I was kind of a believer in free will, just just by default, almost, until about Absolutely. the age of 25. Well, David, that's an interesting question. Back at the time of the Greeks, a couple of things. First of all, um, at the time of Aristotle, Socrates, Plato, they had neither a word for will or for free will, but they had terms for fate and destiny, meaning that, you know, I, I imagine that most of the Greeks believed their lives were controlled by the pantheon of gods. Now, so, like, in terms of, like, you know, you're right, Chandler, um, later, after these, um, you know, that time, I think in Stoic times, then the, um, the, the free will concept began to be really challenged. Democrates, you know, with, the, with his atomic theory, he was basically saying that one thing causes the next and all. 
And so, like, then there was this one Greek, I forget his name, he's trying to defend free will, so he makes up this concocted explanation that, well, sometimes atoms can swerve, you know. <laughs> I heard that one. Free will. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're right. The, 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 although the term hadn't been coined until 380 AD, there was the belief within, you know, the latter Greeks of, of this free will. Yes, and there's another point I want to make. It's about, you know, the, that title of that book, De Libero Arbitrero. What does the word arbitrero sound like? Arbitrary? <laughs> yeah, I'm going Random? to... Yeah, I'm going to type it into my dictionary here. And, okay, what we have here, the first definition is based on or subject to individual discretion or preference or sometimes impulse or caprice. Um, and two is te technical, having any value or form of any degree or extent. Um, so arbit arbitrary is sort of, yeah, it's sort of weird. It's sort of like just random. Like if people were today said arbitrary choice, well, that kind of, that's, you know, that's the sense in which Augustine probably meant it is based on that Latin word arbitrero. That's what I'm guessing. And so I, that's how I've explained it Like to my mom as I'm like, well, choices are caused, not random. And in Greek mythology, they're the, um, the three sisters of fate, didn't they? They believed, I mean, a long time ago, they believed in the things called the fates, where um, three um, beings knew the outcome of the future in every event. So there was no free will in that regard, was there? I think one thing we also have to keep in mind that back in those times, like they didn't have an official police force and a criminal justice system. And you got to imagine that these leaders, you know, religious leaders, because there wasn't really so much civic authority back then, um, especially in early religion, they're trying to like find ways to make people do what's right, you know, to not steal, not lie, not kill and all. So I think somebody came up with this idea, well, you know, if we, like, invent this, this place that, that exists after we die, and if we're really horrible, we're going to go there and suffer eternally, eternally, then that might, you know, scare people into doing the right thing. And so, like, in order to justify that, you know, that belief in this hell that's going to, like, you know, condition people to be more moral, then they have to kind of, like, you know, create, people have to feel that they're responsible, because, like, if, if people understand that, like, what, what they do isn't fundamentally up to them, I think maybe with their level of lack of sophistication of thought back then, most people might have concluded, well, you know, this whole concept of, of, of hell would be unfair, and, like, you know, you can't hold me responsible. So, you know, I think we have to, you know, just acknowledge that during their time when they, this began, you know, perhaps this, this belief in free will had some practical utility for maintaining civilization. Yeah, I think that's true, George. But here's where it went really wrong in Christianity, is because your punishment in hell became not about what you do, but because of what you believe. And I think that's where it went wrong, because every, a lot of us know from experience that Christians um, don't behave more morally. It's just about, oh, I believe Jesus is my Savior. They live their lives as a total jerk, and then they believe they're going to heaven because Jesus died for them well, to go to heaven. You're well, you're not taking into account the no true Scotsman fallacy. Oh? Can you, can you explain that? 
the no true Scotsman fallacy takes a very narrow, uh, where the definition of something is very broad, and then intentionally narrows it in order to keep evidence to the contrary out of the picture. For instance, Christian is somebody who believes that Jesus was a son of God who died for their sins and rose again on the third day. That's that's Christian. That is the that's the definition of it. But then many different Christian communities will then deliberately narrow it and say a real Christian doesn't fight in wars or a real Christian doesn't eat meat or a real Christian doesn't support gay marriage or a real Christian doesn't have sex before marriage. <laughs> this way, anybody who acts in a way that they don't like or they don't agree with is not a real Christian. So when you're talking to somebody and you're arguing about Christianity and all the evil that it's done, they can say, well, they weren't real Christians. <laughs> I, yeah, I get what you're talking about now, Felicia. Because people have said that to me. Well, no real Christian would have sex outside of marriage. Yeah, it's bull. It's just a load of bull. Because who who died and made them God? <laughs> yeah, it, well, that's very interesting because that makes about as much sense as as if I were to try to say, well, no no true atheist eats meat, which is stupid. If I, if I said no true vegetarian eats meat, now that would make sense, but... Since, since um, I think what people misunderstand is that they think like, you know, atheism is a religion, and this happens often. They say, well, atheism means that you will politically believe this, 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 this. And or be a social Darwinist. Yeah, and it, that not necessarily, because all it means is we don't, be, don't believe in a god. That's all it means, nothing else. And I find that actually, and then I recognize this is a tangent uh, fully, but um, I find that atheists seem to make the no true Scotsman fallacy less frequently, but doesn't mean that they don't make it. For instance, I was arguing with somebody over Whisper who said that atheists don't believe that Jesus existed at all. <laughs> That's not And necessary. I said, well, actually, some people believe that he was a man who was then mythicized into being a son of God. And he said, that there's no evidence for that. I said, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're an atheist. Yeah, not really. And somebody could be an atheist and still believe in Santa Claus, a tooth fairy, or unicorns, too. You know, yeah. just not necessarily believing in a God figure. Anyways, that's yeah. what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were what we talking we're about? about? <laughs> <laughs> that's, we don't have a free will. <laughs> We had a free will. We wouldn't get so sidetracked. Yep. I think it was something to do with the history of uh, history of free will. Where where did we get? I think we got up to about the eighteen hundreds, something like that. Um, does anyone want to jump in and kind of say how free will has kind of developed? And uh... yeah, okay. Uh, back well, to the. I remember. I remember having a fleeting thought that perhaps then the idea of free will and determinism. I guess maybe even fatalism actually have may have actually developed side by side throughout throughout the ages. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the deal. Fatalism and determinism are actually not compatible in my view. Those two things are actually separate because yeah, yeah for me 
fatalism is always where a god is literally a puppet master and has a god with their free will has chosen what everything will happen. That's that's what I think of fatalism. Well, fatalism was kind of the only option back when they were still burning atheists at the stake. Well, yeah, I guess so. That, yeah, that was the Greek conception. In other words, like there are some myths that, like you know, some guy heard that, um, like a fate had said that he was going to be like killed by one of the gods or something. So like he fled to another city, and then the, that you know the person was the I don't know the Grim Reaper, or whatever, met him there and stuff. So, like, fate was the idea that if something was destined to happen to you, there was no way you could avoid it. So, it, it, you know, it, it basically, like, not only did it um, kind of, like, deny free will, it denied just any kind of, like, causality, in a sense, or causality that, that had an influence on actions. Yeah, but it wasn't until um, man learned about evolution that um, things set the ball into motion, um, you know, where science could actually disprove free will. So it seems like there's been a conflict throughout history between the many ideas because we treat ourselves and we treat others and we accept a God treating us as if we had free will. But at the same time, we see, you know, like in the Bible and in various other myths that we expected a God or gods or goddesses or fate to interfere with our free will, thus making the question moot. And so it seems like, to me, like people just l simply lived with a cognitive dissonance. And I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I really don't. Well, actually, we actually, if you ask people, you know, they get we don't have free will. There's certain expressions in English. For example, uh, you ever hear the, the expression, there but for the grace of God go I, you know, somebody who's really unfortunate, you recognize, wait a minute, we're lucky we're not them. Or have you ever heard somebody say, like, before you judge someone, walk a mile in their shoes? Yeah. So, so like, yeah, we have that same kind of, like, you know, on the one hand, we believe in it. On the other hand, we understand it's not possible. Yeah. And, you know, I used to, back when I believed in free will, maybe I didn't really believe in free will. I just had, I didn't know the term. Like, it was because of that movie, God's Not Dead, and free will being that kid's answer to the problem of evil that I started researching it and I found George's show again and started listening and found out what it was about because I didn't know the history of free will or even what the term meant. And, and again, so we're, I think we are still in that confusion, you know, like even, even the academics like Kant, I couldn't believe it. Kant, you know, this major philosopher, he <laughs> understands that free will is impossible. It did not. I, his name. Language, language. George. Yeah, no, language. Kant, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> this guy is like, he's got, he presumably has a brilliant mind, right? So, like, basically, he gets why free will is impossible. He can't accept it. So he redefines free will as, like, we have a free will when we're making, quote-unquote, virtuous decisions based on enlightened reasoning or something like that. I mean, how can you... You know, and this is this is some of the problem we have with all these definitions, people not being able to accept, uh, you know, the reality. Well, guess what, George? The problem is you don't get to choose how enlightened your reasoning is. There you go. <laughs> and you know what? That guy I told you about that said that your book was worthless dribble, he, his favorite philosopher was Immanuel Kant. Um, 
it's weird. I used to pronounce them as can't until I heard better from Rick Coast. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, like, if you're not in the United States, you know, probably can't is probably more acceptable. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> the, well, I think even more so in the UK, I think the accent makes it that much more difficult to understand. The difference between them. Am I wrong? I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just maybe it's just my untrained ear. Yeah, I don't really think it matters. It's a tomato tomato sort of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, except for except for tomato happens to be offensive. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I missed. I, I think I missed the joke. Um, Is well, tomato tomato can't or can't except for can't it's potentially oh. offensive. Oh, that sounds like the word that they've been calling me on YouTube recently. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. That... All right, welcome to the party, Chandler. <laughs> yeah, okay, now I get it. We're trying to keep our language clean for this podcast in case any of our listeners are confused. <laughs> well, anyway, we are like out of out of our 30 minutes. So I, I probably, let's see. I, David did such a good job opening it that he should close it and say something really awesome. Before we before that, though, David, you mentioned uh, stopping the conversation if you had any questions. Do you have any questions? Um, yeah, actually, I was going to say. Um, uh, so, so uh, what do we mean when we call someone uh, like willfully ignorant of something? Uh, willfully ignorant, I would say, is when they purposely go out of their way to not know things. Right. Cause I, I believe that the idea of um, free will denialists is kind of, um, it, it's sort of like that. People don't really want to know, if that makes sense, because it impacts on their beliefs and on their lives so much in such a way that it kind of I, turns things on its head and they're uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. And speaking of willful ignorance, I guess, there's also that same verse I read at the very beginning of the episode, when I posted that to Facebook, somebody told me, what are they telling me? They said something to the effect of that they, they try to not, oh, I don't try so hard to analyze the paraphrases of men. I seek him through prayer because if I try to make sense of things myself as a human being of this earth, I will always find myself lost. Have faith, yeah. Felicia. I know that you are searching for answers. Right. Yeah. It's almost like, um, spare me the details, my mind's made up, you know. Yeah. Well, not not realizing like... that having faith is actually a decision she came up with, with you know, by reason thinking. And I, I take the term, someone tells me on a subject like this and says, have faith. I'm like, excuse me, no, I will not. I will not have faith. I demand evidence. Absolutely. What part of this are you not understanding? Yeah, maybe, um... The Christians should be uh, reading Richard Dawkins' books, you know. Start by reading their own freaking Bible. Yeah, that's the first book that I would recommend to Christians. Well, true. Bible, that they don't read it. <laughs> I'd recommend they read the uh, God Delusion, because the God Delusion might help them, you know, get out of their twisted thinking. I actually David, haven't read that yet. Maybe I should. I read, so like, available with yeah, audio books as well. Yeah. yeah I would we, also like to, to answer your question, like some people, there's an expression, don't expect people to believe something their job depends on their not believing something like that for example so the people who who run the media academia they've been very very successful so to for them to acknowledge that like their success wasn't up to them 
you know, it really attacks people's ego and sense of, of you know, like, accomplishment. Yeah, even right, Richard exactly. Dawkins understand that free, free will is illusion. And uh, you might notice that Richard Dawkins doesn't really blame, um, you know, the indoctrinated for the way they are. David, Joseph, did you want to end this podcast? It's getting kind of long. Well, yeah. don't forget that most of that's going to be, a lot of that's going to be cut out. That's, yeah, that's the thing. There, there's plenty of silence I can I can cut out of this. And I guess it's not too big a deal that it's over 30 minutes. I mean, Felicia well, and I well, went really well, also, Right, it's fine. We'll also cut out you trying to add Nick to the podcast. Yeah. Out. Um, you know, probably some tangents. I think the beginning of the recording, we were still talking about other stuff. I'm going to cut out the, the stuff that completely had nothing to do with our, our topic. You know, I, I, I want to still include the, most of the important stuff like the no true Christian fallacy that Felicia mentioned, because that's really a good stuff. Yeah, and again, Chandler, if we go over 30 minutes, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. I honestly believe we're well under 30 minutes, all things considered. Yeah, I think so. But this was really good. And I want to hear how David Joseph is going to close this episode. Because I, um, I hope it'll be awesome like the beginning um, was. No, nothing special. Just uh, make sure you edit out all of George's uh, foul language. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, you've been listening to the Free World Science and Religion podcast. And uh, we've been talking about the um, history of free will and its relation to the Bible and uh, its relation to uh, certain religions and religious ideas. And uh, I hope you join us again soon.